0: Have you ever felt judged for your past? Have you ever judged yourself way too harshly for the mistakes you've made? How do you handle it? Let's explore that. Hello and welcome to the Exploring Recovery podcast. This is the podcast that takes a closer look at a life lived in recovery. I'm your host, Shane Psychic. It is currently January 30th, 2022, and since my last episode, I've been feeling this continuous need to aggressively protect myself from fictitious thoughts of being hurt by others, a persistent problem since childhood. And despite the fact that they're only thoughts, I've been experiencing them so intensely that I can't say it's been disrupting my day-to-day. I am excited to share that I found an exciting new way to journal. You see, I was walking through Walmart one day with my dad. And as we're going through the store, I noticed a little uh, corner end cap full of calendars. And as I walked by, I, I had this kind of epiphany. I felt like the Lord wanted me to have a closer look at one. The one in particular was one of these little desktop calendars, the ones you rip off every day. Well, it felt like the Lord was telling me that, you know, there's a nice considerable piece of writing real estate on the back of every one of those pieces of paper. And since the other side had the date on it, I could keep them well-tracked and in order. Now, I'm a big fan of keeping my blessings written down throughout the year, and once the year is over, just kind of going through them. I latched onto this idea pretty quickly, and the only choice that was left was whether or not I wanted a Bob Ross calendar or a Bill Nye calendar. I think the choice was pretty obvious. My Bob Ross calendar sits on my desk, and after every day, I take time to reflect on not just the blessings, but other areas of my life that I kind of feel like I should record, areas of my life that I need to improve, bad habits that have kind of really derailed what I would have liked to got done for the day, anything at all that will kind of help me track any kind of problem behaviors, especially in the areas of recovery. <laughs> I have to admit, I was concerned about the first part of my testimony. I was concerned that it would sound just like a complete and total negative dumbfest. All the bad and no good, and that would be pretty accurate. There were some good moments, though they were few and far in between. I am thankful for a family that at least tried to stick with me. For a family that at least tried to stick with it as long as they could. Most of all, I am thankful for God for this resilience that I learned at a young age. While I don't wish for the things that happened to me to happen to anyone else, I will say confidently that God has used what has happened to me for his glory in the end. Well, with that being said, I don't want to take too much time here, but let's jump back into part two of my testimony. Well, fast forward a few years. It's the summer after sixth grade, it's 1995. I'd been in the same house and the same school for four years. I finally had this sense of security, this, this feeling of being rooted. But the vacation that summer, a vacation trip to Thailand with my dad turned into two years of unannounced study abroad. I was once again uprooted, this time to live in another country. I remember feeling very powerless, which only bred more and more feelings of bitterness and resentment. When I got there and realized that I was going to live here, I didn't, you know, have any teachers or or friends to really help me learn the language. I barely had any social skills, really. Coupled with the crippling fear and shame of, of being easily embarrassed, especially by not speaking the language properly, I felt isolated and alone, which fueled my anger and allowed it to grow wildly. As at that point, I began to use my anger as a shield and my aggression as a sword in order to make sure no one would harm me or take advantage of me ever again. I saw it as the only means I had to protect myself. In order to survive, my tender-hearted nature had to die. And in its place, a hard exterior. Now the students at my new school segmented themselves by nationality. And, you know, since I was a half-breed, I didn't fit in with anyone. They called me the angry white boy. I got checked into my boarding school and washed as my dad left. Well, i tell you one thing. I only spent about a year at that boarding school before um, I had to go back and live at the family household. You see, stealing food is frowned upon, even though they were contractually obligated to do so in their minds since it was the weekend and I was staying there. It's my job to feed myself. A student with no money, no way to get food. But after, say, the second or third day of not having any food to eat, say for a, a small bag of hard candy, I'd had enough. I walked up to my room and I looked over the balcony and I saw, hey, there's a lot of uh, plants I could probably get over there if I could just move those plants. So that's what I did. I grabbed these big old pots, pulled them from over there, put them in my room one by one, made room for me to climb over. Now, Fight Club hadn't come out at this time, so I didn't know to probably grab a piece of carpet or something, put it over the wall and climb over it, but it kept me from getting cut on the glass they put on top of the, the privacy walls. I kind of probably could have got in that way. Of course, if I'd have fell that one story down, well, I may not even be here today. Or I'd be here in a much different fashion. I climbed over to the balcony. I picked a lock with a toothpick. Went downstairs. Found a whole horde of food that they could have easily fed me with, but chose not to. Now I wasn't much of a cook, but I tell you what, I learned fast. I cooked up pork chops, ham steaks, just about everything I can get my hands on that I could probably read the package and learn how to cook. I thought back to Sunday mornings cooking food and just had at it. I drank whatever soda, juice I could find, had my fill. I put everything back, and several days later, I was at a meeting with them and my dad. And uh, I was like, Oh, did you get something to eat? And I was like, No, not exactly. Well, I inferred that I was the one that uh, raided their foodstuff, which apparently is frowned upon, but I didn't care. I'd gotten the best of them, and that was something to be proud of in my eyes. So needless to say, I spent the next year at our family home, and my 8th grade year was spent with early mornings. I had to get up at 4.30 a.m. to catch the bus going to school, and after about 12 hours, I'd be at home finally, and as there. uh during the nights, I got to meet my extended family. It was there I met the infamous Uncle Kai, a man who was a shadow over our family during its early years before he had to flee the U.S. for tax evasion. Well, one night, he's hanging out in what I call the big house with his apartment next door, and he says to me, it'd hey, be a pretty good idea if you come come with me. I want to go to a Thai massage parlor. Now, honest to God, I thought he was kidding, and being the gullible young man that I was, I decided to go. He wasn't kidding. Now, I'm not really going to go into detail here about what happened, only that at the age of 12, I gave away that most precious gift to a Thai prostitute. After eighth grade, I returned to America. My mother had stated that she never knew that I was going to be gone that long. And while in between her and my grandparents, there wasn't a dry eye to be seen, except for maybe my brother. And if I'm being honest, I couldn't have cared less. The whole experience in Thailand had left me cold. numb, and emotionless. That next year, I started high school, and immediately, my brother made it his life's mission to make my life miserable. It got to a point where the fighting had escalated. It got so bad that I became afraid for my safety, and at that point, I'd had enough. I'd sharpened my sword of aggression, and I got to work. So on the next occasion, when my brother decided to kick in my door, because apparently that's a common thing, I grabbed my dad's bayonet knife, And as the door cracked open, I shoved that blade in there and heard this wild scream. I'd cut him at the wrist, see? I remember him calling my mother, telling him how I wouldn't stop bleeding. And while I was in the room, I kept thinking, yeah, that's right. You really want to mess with me? I'll cut you. Again, thinking of it a badge of honor. While he sure bled, he didn't die. I kept thinking how sad it was that this is my life. And well, despite all the trouble at home, it was around this time that I actually made the best decision of my life. It was at an evening church service. I was sitting on a pew with my grandpa and the invitation was going to come up and receive Jesus. The fear of being in front of people and being embarrassed by being in front of said people had always kept me from stepping forward many, many times. But not this night. I heard that still small voice in the back of my head just leading me, telling me like, something's got to change, Shane. Something has to change. There needs to be a change. And this was it. The joy I felt when I received Jesus was overwhelming. I think back on that moment fondly. In the days and weeks that followed, I didn't know what it meant to be saved. I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or have any mentoring on what it means to follow Jesus. It was just uh, something that you did. Life and the world snuffed that joy out real quick. And so life was business as usual. Well, my brother went on to graduate. And after he left, I really thought things would calm down right before my sophomore year started, it was decided that I would go back to Thailand to help bring my dad home so that he wouldn't be living where he was in a country that didn't offer him much of a future. So while I was gone, I had left the country. My mother started dating a man. Now this father of two boys, kids in my class that I'd had problems with, was more than willing to date and consequently marry my mother without so much as meeting me. And I'll tell you, and I confessed this to him not that long ago. I said, that very act has stopped there from being any kind of fruitful relationship in our lives. And I confessed to him, I said, well, because of that act, we may not reconcile this side of heaven. But, you know, I had to be honest with you with where we're at in this relationship. Now, this man, my stepdad, a former preacher, understood his mistake. But as for my mother, she confessed to me, she said, This is the only way she could stop herself from allowing my dad back into her life was by going through with this. So when I returned home, I was greeted with a new stepdad I'd never met and two stepbrothers I didn't particularly like. By the end of high school, things at home were so strained that it was like a powder keg waiting to blow. As it seems to be a common thing in my life, it all came to a head one night when my mother had had a psychotic break, a psychotic episode. Due to the strain of this relationship with her new husband and their rushed marriage, it got so bad that I, I started questioning the stability of my home life. And once I shared these concerns with my friends and staff at the school, it was enough to embarrass my mom so bad that she sent me to live with my dad. She said, well, you'll come back and you'll graduate. You'll come back to school here, which I didn't want to do. I said, I was tired of the hypocrisy I'd seen in this school. It was the kind of school you'd drop bad kids off, hoping that somehow that God would just undo the poor parenting that had happened during these kids' life. So I didn't want to go back. Needless to say, this whole situation really destroyed any kind of healthy relationship with my mother. And I always used to think of her as this kind woman growing up. But as I got older... I realized that my mom wasn't that much different from my grandpa with her nitpicking and criticism. One of the examples that always sticks out to me was one time I'd gotten an offer to go see a college in Pensacola. I'd had a trip, I'd had lodgings, I had everything that I needed. I packed up, got my stuff ready, got regular shoes and tennis, uh, dress shoes, ready to go. My mom looked at my stuff and she saw my shoes and said, you're not going anywhere with those shoes. Now, something to note about my feet, that the width is about the same size of a size 10. The length, however, was only about a size 8. And finding shoes to fit my feet, well, I ended up wearing my brother's shoes that were a lot, a little bit bigger than mine, but at least they fit and they were comfortable. But according to my mother, they look like clown shoes. And she was so concerned about what people thought five states away that I wasn't going to go down there if I was going to wear those shoes. No, no, I was going to wear these other shoes that she had gotten, which did nothing but hurt my feet. And being the good stepdad that my stepdad was, he enforced that said, well, you're not going. So I ended up going barefoot when I got down there. And I just remember that, wow, here's a woman who cares more about what people think five states away that she'll never meet. And she refused to have them think even remotely poor of her. And how much that just drove this wedge between us that, if I'm being honest about it, has yet to resolve itself. Things seemed to go from bad to worse as I got older. And once again, it seems like there were only bad times. Now, I have to admit, there were good times, but they were quite sparse during these seasons. Most of the joy I found came in the small moments. Tender moments of affection that often really gets overshadowed by the current circumstances. This is where I learned to appreciate the small things in life. Always knowing that my circumstances could always be worse. A lot worse. That is going to do it for this episode of the Exploring Recovery Podcast. Come back next time when we finish this series with part three of my testimony and ultimately the beginning of my recovery journey. Also, be sure to check out my blog at sopsychic.com for more resources and posts to help you along in your own recovery. That's T-S-O-S-A-I-K-I-C-H dot com. If you like what we're trying to do here, please consider subscribing and share it with someone it'll help. Thanks again for listening, so long, and we'll talk again real soon.